Welcome to this week's Treasury Career Corner podcast, where I interview treasury professionals about their treasury careers. Each and every week, I talk to them about how they've built their careers, where they are now, where they see both themselves and the treasury profession going to next. Let's get on with the show. In this week's show, delighted to be joined by Mina Nassif, the Chief Visionary Officer at Beacon Fintrain. Mina is also on a voluntary basis, the MD of partnerships for the AFP from the US. But in simple terms, Beacon Fintrain are one of the leading providers of financial learning and development across Egypt and the MENA region. They provide an array of different professional business and financial training services. I often see Mina either popping up on my LinkedIn stream, giving the latest class or bringing lots of treasury professionals up the curve, as it were. And, you know, it's great to see. And that's why I reached out to him, because I thought, wow, this is something we we do cover and we talk about on the podcast a lot of time. But actually, Mina really focuses in on that. So I thought that was something we should, you know, bring up, if you like. But he's got a practical background. You know, he's come from treasury and finance and then got into this. And that's what we're going to explore on today's show. But as always, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to let Mina talk us through his background. Take us back to the very beginning, if you would, Mina, and, and how you first got started in finance, then you discover the wonderful world that is treasury, and then bring us up to date. So over to you, sir. Thank you, Mike. I've been in the corporate treasury career a long time ago. That was 2006, and I did start to touch base with the profession in Algeria, yep. uh, with a company called Al Swedi. And then I moved back to Egypt to, to be a part of Coca-Cola bottling treasury team, like um, the assistant treasurer of the bottling company. And then I did move to one of the leading construction companies here in Egypt called OCI, and also the treasury team. And I did move out of Egypt to Saudi Arabia with a company called al Holding that was mainly a leading company in an energy construction field. And then I get back to Kala. I was the group a corporate treasurer for a company of the Kala group called Taco Arabia. And recently, I did surrender being treasury staff and moved to be an advocator for the AFP and also do the thing that I in love with, which is financial training. This is from the practical side. Academically, I do train for the CTP since you can say graduation year. That was 2006. So I did train for like 15 years back in love with the profession and the treasury career path. My dual profile is between a hand-on experience in corporate finance and treasury and also to radiate the treasury knowledge for the new generation and to the existing practitioner in the region. That's been amazing. You've given us like a real whistle-stop tour of your background, but you've had exposure to corporate treasury over the past 16 years. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to dig in from your background, if you like. You, you know, you started in, as you say, in Egypt and then through the UK and then back to Egypt and then Saudi Arabia. How has it been... How has corporate treasury, has it been different, if you like? What I mean by that is when you first started, and we had our pre-call, if you like, and you talked about where Egypt was in those times through to how it is now. How have you seen treasury? And, and you know, if you like, as you're walking along through your career, you've gone through these different countries. You know, how has it evolved? Is it, you know, that it's always been about the cash and all the way through? Or, you know, how has it changed, if you like? 
well to answer this question, I have to tell you um, that, in my opinion, I think the corporate treasure is segmented to three clusters. Like 50% of the successful corporate treasures is the relationship. So if you are able to deal with different culture, speak a different language and check hand with what we call it the market norm in several areas of the world, you will get to use it and will shortly plug in at a several environment. So you can say 50% of the fun mm-hmm. of the journey was to build a relationship with a multinationality people, different mindset, different culture base, and managing a team with a multi-diversitude cultures. And 25% for the hand-on experience because the banks is different from a country to another. And there is what we call it a banking practice. If we are comparing London banks to uh, Saudi Arabia banks to Egyptian banks, there is a lot of similarities and also a lot of different culture base or what we call it. Uh, the people from the origin country can speak the same language a way of being out of the country. So if you are able to blog in quickly, you are able to speak the same language. And my segmentation, the third part, which is your knowledge. I So I did equip myself for, with the CTP and I've, I've been able to blog or assign the right treasure product across several countries based on the know-how inside the curriculum and um, speak um, what we call it a global cash management language. So if you are speaking to a bank and ask for MT940 Swift version, it is the same worldwide. Mm -hmm. And if you are asking to have an opening Swift code for like MT700 to open a Swift for another bank, it is a global language. It, it, It was fun. And also the diversity is a value added to accept everyone. The real challenge, I think, moving between several countries was to deal with several culture because it is challenging to have like a seven or eight nationality and the same team with what we call it a different characteristics. However, I think this is the real value added of the journey to deal with different people and jump out of the comfort zone. And you say that was sort of so fifty percent relationship, twenty five percent, you know, that sort of. And what what was the final piece? Would you say, or was that the final? The fifty percent was the relationship, twenty five percent for your hand on experience of the profession, and finally the twenty five percent was the knowledge. Right. So if you are building the right treasurer profile, I think you have to be a people of relation. You have to be a people of values. I have. The five main value that I do believe that the, the, the successful corporate treasurer must have in the bucket, like integrity, being centric to the job, team effectiveness, accountable, and at the end, self-exception with the bank. So if, if you are building the relationship, I think the, the, you can open a lot of doors with the bank. If you being in a participation with your team to do the job, not being an executive uh, in a closed office that will grant you the most recent hand-on experience and finally being equipped with a globally recognized certificate or a credential that uh, keep you up to date with the most recent product worldwide. So I think this is the recipe 
that I got it between several countries. And I think this is what make the treasurer speak the global language, I think. And you talked about there, and you've just alluded to it, that you you are focused on this training environment, and that's a key thing for you, and teaching and coaching and things like that. What persuaded you to do that? Because, again, for the listeners, when we'll put at the end of the show, we'll put in your LinkedIn details, but they'll be able to see that you have this you know, beacon, FinTrain sort of background. What persuaded you to move more from you know, treasury per se day to day to actually, you know, giving that coaching and, you know, improving that knowledge for the, you know, again, one of the things we said before the show was certified, you know, or qualified, what the difference is. Can you just give us a quick sort of run through of your views on that as it were? It's been a long time. When I did attend a course of preparation for the CTP, and I felt that, it's kind of self-satisfaction to learn the others what is the, the right key to open the door and how to do the job. So I, since I start training the others for passing the CTP or being uh, qualified enough to understand the corporate treasury between derivatives, hedging tools, financial planning, analysis, cash management, forecasting, and a lot of other what we call it a non-static topic, a dynamic real finance challenges. So I felt a self-satisfaction from learning the others how to do the job. Since I did start learning the CTP, I do enjoy riding the stage, speaking about its curriculum and have a kind of storytelling about the situation that I have passed through and how to solve the right solution, how to pick the right product with the bank. Moving between several companies and have a kind of success stories, restructuring kind of long-term debt or syndication loan, the big project usually experience so that it is a kind of happiness to tell the others how to solve their problem inside the corporate that they have. So I think I was pushed by the passion. And that's why we, we call it Beacon, to guide the others toward the right way to follow. We call it Beacon to uh, radiate the know-how of the profession of corporate treasury and other financial art. A way of being static or standardized in respect to the standard. I didn't fit for being an accountant maybe for a month. And I resigned because I, I didn't like to be like doing the same repetitive job and instead of thinking out of the box. Right. So I, I, I break the ice quickly with the people with the similar characteristics like me. So I think I was driven by the passion to move this knowledge forward for the emerging markets like Egypt, like the Middle East, because we're still far away of the American market, the European market, English market. Usually, the product or the global transaction banking services appear in the market after a while it's been born in the state or the Europe Zoom. So I think it is kind of fun to tell the others about the future, driven by passion and feeling the responsibility of upgrading the financial acumen here. 
And why is that so important? I mean, I think I, you know, I, I could give you an answer and things like that. You, but you're the, you lead that, you know, do you see that, you know, when some of your pupils, you know, they sort of graduate, it's, you know, is it for cash? Is it for themselves? Is it for, you know, what are the reasons people come to you and say, right, well, I'm going to train with Beacon. You're going to get me through this. We just talked before the show that you're coming into big training season for you. When you're sitting with those, do all of them come with different needs, requirements, or is it, you know, or oh, they're actually all wanting a pay rise or they're all wanting this knowledge? What What is it they're doing? There's a lot of dynamics uh, to answer this question. The first one is the knowledge itself, because the emerging market is feeling thirsty and hungry for this kind of knowledge. I think the mature market does not feel the the crucial part of this knowledge, because it is a day-to-day activity for, let's say, the American market. However, in the emerging market, it is very seldom to find the right caliber, like the right piece inside your machine, speaking the global language or speaking the multinational language. So this is the first angle. The other one is they are driven by changes, moving from traditional finance background to the digital one. And believing in the future change, a lot of profession did disappear and a lot of skills start to appear on ground and there is a gap. So I think the people is acquiring the most recent knowledge like the CTP to fill the gap. And finally, the companies itself, they are recommending their staff to be well equipped with the CTP or whatever the global credential that might help them to speak the global language and to be moving from being a, a cost to the company to be an asset. Mm. Because usually the finance team is a cost-cutting target in the critical situation like COVID-19. However, if you are the brain, not the muscle, I think I will retain you inside. So being the brain that means you are a visionary person, a strategist person, or someone who think how to solve the problem, not a part of the problem anymore. So this three angle or this three dynamic did create the demand for learning the, the CTP or other financial credential. Believing that, people started to be admitted that learning is not luxury. It's not a luxury anymore. It is a kind of investment. So simply moving from being consuming the budget of training for just a training and instead the real investment. And I, I think I have a, a proof of concept here. A lot of banks, a lot of companies did cut the budget of learning and development toward the list priority topic and focusing on the financial part because they do believe it is a part of investing in their team. So I think the three reason or angle that I did mention is the real endeavors or what we call it the motive toward uh, pushing the people. And I think, Mike, I have to mention that Beacon is training like 200 to 250 CTP candidates every year, introducing them to the markets. And they are, by the way, moving between the Middle East and Africa region. And mainly between Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, Qatar, Kuwait, and Oman. So, if if someone's listening today, and you know, they number of people who are qualified by exam, we also have people who are qualified by experience. 
and there's a place for both of those and things. And in you know, in the past, we've had a conflict, but somebody said, "Well, I've got as much experience as that person," and you know, but they've got the magic bit of paper. You know, they've been through a formal program. How do you sort of answer that, or? sort of calm them sort of thing or you know how do you compare the two if you like the famous question is the uh, is it important to be qualified or certified yeah. and usually answer the people with this question with an example it is like a bird you need the two wings to fly simply being certified is not a replacement of being treasurer with a hand-on experience you need to have the right space to apply what did you learn theoretically or even you need the academic framework that qualify you to being inquired and to be in a nice reputation inside the markets with a globally recognized certificate program. Yeah. So I, ca- I cannot vote for being qualified instead of being certified. I think the, the, the question is usually is not applicable or not in a com- what we call it comparison, because it's like a bird flying with a two wings. You need to be qualified and also you need to be certified. Mm. And you cannot live with a one wing to fly. No, exactly. And I think it depends on the audience. And some, you know, sometimes we have it where people who are qualified and say, well, we want this, must have this. But then we also get the, I've had other bits where one of my clients is sticks in my mind. He's not qualified in anything, but he's got all that experience. And he said, look, but I want my team to be qualified just because I wasn't given the opportunity because his previous companies wouldn't pay for it. And it was, you know, and it was very frustrating to him that he couldn't get it through. But as you say, I think it's about self-development and improvement, isn't it? Yeah, sure. Uh, Learning is an attitude and it's not a task that you do for one time and forget it. It must be a daily activity. I usually say to the learner that you have to keep the reading like a habit. You have to invest like a one hour or two hour of your daily routine reading. Whatever you are doing to read, you have to keep an eye on the market and another eye on the job. Yeah, I think it became a must, especially during the, the very fast pack changes after COVID-19. The corporate treasury became more digital. And it, it is not enough to be a classic corporate treasurer. And instead, you have to speak the digital language, the fintech language, the blockchain, the what we call it, the financial inclusion, and a lot of dynamics. And by the way, I think it is very important to be an open mind person to understand and accept the change inside the function itself. You mentioned there about COVID, and we've been through this and the sort of digitalization and then hopefully coming back to that real world and meeting people again as we pass through this where do you see treasury itself developing you're you're seeing it firsthand and you get to see some amazing people in front of you you're training them you're coaching them at different levels what are you seeing from them what are they saying is coming back in treasury what do you see you've, you've mentioned about digitalization which is brilliant but where else do you see treasury growing and developing i think jim kate's did speak about the most recent changes in finance while he was a guest on an, an annual conference of big in the last year. He was saying that, surprisingly, a lot of future skills may be out of finance, like critical thinking, 
problem solving, self-management, working with other people remotely, management communication activity, technology use and developing what we call it physical abilities for being working from home and managing, controlling a big team remotely. That's a new challenge that all of us did go through. Yeah. So this is the first side of on a person's skill base, like the new skill that treasury will need to acquire. So it's not about understanding corporate finance. You need to be more open to have what we call it soft skills for the finance people. So this is about the team. About the profession itself, the banks started to be more digitalized because COVID-19 did accelerate change toward the future. The currencies might disappear and the real, the physical bank that we usually know might vanish. I can give you a kind of insight about the Egyptian market. We start to accept a new reality here that there is a lot of non-bank financial institution like consumer finance, leasing, factoring, and theft institution also. So the market is changing and the profession itself uh, will start to be more aggressive toward change to be digital. And understanding the uh, classic finance function is not enough nowadays. And that's why I do encourage a lot of people to learn a global curriculum or what we call it. A most recent update in the profession will keep you in a good understanding with the changes uh, happening. And also, I think, moving from the relaxed corporate treasury before COVID-19 to the, the aggressive change and fast fact change that's happening nowadays will create a new level of um, financial muscles and financial brains that will add a value to the profession itself, opening a gate to speaking like a coding language or a Python language, and also understand the new kind of risk. You know what? A lot of companies started to use an EBITDA abbreviation, which is earning before interest and tax, depreciation, amortization, and COVID-19. Just going reflecting on one of the, the points you said there about this sort of constant, I think it has been, COVID has been doubly, you know, yes, it's been challenging, as you say, about people working from home, that new ways of working. But it reminds me of, you know, I gave a speech actually at the AFP conference a few years ago that, and, and the point I made to the audience is that if you just did your day job, which was very difficult because some of them are in very stressful situations, but that doesn't matter, you know, in a, in a way, because everyone's under stress, you know, lots of people are doing this. These guys were like sort of looking at me going, well, what are you saying? And so, well, it's like when you go to the airport, but you're standing on one of those travelators that takes you to one of the gates, but actually you're going the wrong way. And they were like, what do you mean? I said, well, if you're just standing on one of those things and you don't do anything, you just stand still, you're actually going backwards because everybody else, if you like, is overtaking you. They're keeping on walking forward. Your competition is other treasury professionals. Just by doing the basics, you're going backwards. You know, this is one of the key things I think you've alluded to, and we we both talked about this before the show, is about this, this gaining of knowledge and continual development is so key. And I think, you know, that has been blooming hard on a lot of treasury professionals throughout this very challenging period. But 
As we come out of that, yeah, people throwing themselves into training, brilliant. But what other things do you think that people should be thinking about? Is it, you know, getting back with partnerships and getting back with different people that they should meet? Or what are the sort of things that you're seeing people doing? Or where do you see the next three to six, maybe 12 months? What are you looking forward to, if you like? I think we we all got a hard time. Yep. I can call it a hard time during COVID-19. So the corporate treasury usually responsible for allocate the required resources during the, what we call it, crisis and to finance the business continuity plan. I think the largest business continuity plan, I think in the history, that was during the the terrorism attack that happened in the United States for Bank of America. Yeah. I think we have to be the, the security side of the business, allocating the required resources and plan for the worst, like under-promising and overachieving, because it, it wasn't easy, especially for the emerging markets. Believe it or not, the, the, the state and the United Kingdom did succeed to decrease the what we call it, the cost of funds mm. to the negative uh, level. However, in Egypt, we did not succeed to decrease the base rate to the negative level. So simply, it put a lot of pressure on, on the economy to pass through the hard time. I think the lesson learned is to be prepared, moving to be digital, preparing for the new normal. It might come back. You never know. Yeah. I think we have to move to be fully digital, building skillful team, skillful from the finance perspective and from communication perspective because it was like it was sudden mm. being in an office and now everyone is in, in a separated room. We don't see each other. We're just calling each other. So I think it became popular to have your son appearing and saying hi during a Zoom call. <laughs> so the, the, the business environment itself being affected. I think we have to be more prepared about the lesson learned of the COVID-19. Our non-traditional treasury function mm. is leading the, the other finance departments being non-traditional, being flexible, being understanding the other department challenges like tax, like auditing, like accounting. So simply, I think it is a time of change. If you are asking me specifically what is the most crucial part to change is to have a treasury management system. You have to acquire a solution that grants you more flexibility a wider insight, a consolidated position, and all and above being able to open and close account remotely. Believe it or not, and I know what I'm what I'm what I'm saying is not a luxury for you, Mike, but it is a luxury in the Middle East. Mm. If you are asking me how many companies in Egypt have an, a treasure management system, I can say easily not more 20 companies. Mm. So surprisingly, a lot of company and a lot of bank is still working in a very classic and traditional way. So if you are seeing TMS, they are asking, what is the TMS? The current challenges will push the market toward speaking the global language because at a certain point of time, the borders between countries will be not existing. The bank will start to work cross-border more. 
So I think have a TMS is not a luxury also. And usually I ask my learners, if you have a kind of business proposal or a company trying to headhunt you, please ask them during the interview, do you have a treasure management system or an appetite to acquire a one or not? I mean, you say that there are a number of companies. I don't think it's just the Middle East. I think there are some UK companies I've spoken to and some in the, you know, across Europe. And it's, it's still a wide range. You know, and it's still shocking sometimes. There's a UK company, I can't say their name, but I know that this got quoted to me from a consultant and he said he went in there and he was talking to their treasury manager and they said, yeah, we've got a really great treasury management system. Oh, right, what what is it? And he said, yeah, it's called Excel. And he's like, (laughs) what? Really? Like, and and she was like, yeah, yeah, this is what we use, and it's really, it's really robust. It's really this. And he was like, sort of, just uh, his eyes and chin dropped down, and he was like, right, it's not robust. And you know, he said, you can, we can, right, okay. And it was, but it's just different people's acceptance of things like that. So yeah, you're, you're, it, it's, I think it's a wider problem if you like. So I wouldn't just put it, but exactly, I think that's a good question for people to be asking. Uh, Mino, I don't want to run out of time yeah, today. Yeah. So what I want to do, actually, and and this is what I was going to we do on every show, and you may have heard before, is if you look back, and we'll put your LinkedIn details in the show notes, so people can then connect with you. And there's so much more we could keep talking for many hours, but we try and keep it a sort of half an hour on, or so on the show. If you look back over your career, and people look at it and say, "Oh, do you know what? I would, I'd love to have a career just like him," and things like that. What are the main tips you would give, you know, give us today to take away with people? You know, I think that's, you know, a good tip about, you know, when if people are going for interviews and stuff, but if they're looking more at you and say, actually, I'd like to I'd like some to follow in his footsteps or want to do a similar thing. What what tips would you give to people listening today? And one word, perseverance. That's it. If you would like to follow my steps, you have to keep the perseverance. However, I do believe that every one of us is unique. I don't encourage others to follow me and instead of build their own stories, because usually there is no one way of success in whatever, maybe the corporate treasury. However, what I'm trying to say is you have to keep trying, knocking the doors, don't stop learning, keep yourself passionate with whatever you would like to be in the future and just keep yourself in learning cycle and that's it one day the door will be open you said you you just came up with the one word perseverance but actually as you say there's far more in there there's perseverance but there's also having that passion for learning which you truly embody you know with a lot of the activity you do so uh, long may that continue sir and yeah, you'll, you, people can connect with you. They can see your company. They can see the expertise you're giving and passing on to people. And as always, it'd be great to have you in their networks because they'll be able to see, you know, firsthand some of the posts about you know, coaching people and leading them and things like that. So keep up the good work, sir. And uh, thank you for your time today. Well, uh, Mike, it is a pleasure being hosted by you, good self. And thank you for you and your team also for preparation this podcast. Pleasure, sir. Many thanks. Hello, it's Mike here again. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. If you did, then maybe you want to follow the show or subscribe, depending on where you listen, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, or another great place to listen to the show from. It's totally free and means that you'll be the first to see each and every week when we release a new show. 
And maybe whilst you're there, you could even leave a quick review. Reviews and ratings are among the most important metrics for a podcast to effectively rank. And as you can probably appreciate, the podcast is a lot of hard work to produce every week. It'd be amazing. Just take, say, 20 seconds, leave a quick review of my amazing guests and their great career stories. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks very much, and I can't wait to see you soon.